We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast. My name is Chris and I am the only host on the podcast tonight. I would encourage you to pray for Brother Brandon as he prepares to go out to a campground and preach the gospel to those at that campground. That's why he can't be with us. And also pray for Brother Rob. Uh, As you know, Brother Rob, he has the two most stressful jobs in the entire world. Not only is he a pastor of a church, which is extremely stressful, whether you believe that or not, he is also a teacher. So just be in prayer for both of those guys as they cannot be here this evening. But since they're not here this evening, you get to deal with me. And I just want to go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And so we're going to be talking about life and death and in our life here in this world. And I think as we talk about being followers of Christ, and since our whole podcast is about living faithfully for Jesus 168 hours of every week, we have to be realistic about what that means we're going to experience here in that world. And so often we have this idea of following Christ as being all rainbows and butterflies. Everything's just going to go great. But in reality, the only promise we have of Jesus here in this world is that we're going to have peace and joy in him. But he also promises us that outside of that peace and joy, what we'll physically experience, what we'll emotionally experience here in this world is trials and tribulations. And I heard an analogy once that I really enjoyed, but it was talking about two different people on a flight. And the first example that was given was that there was this person that got on a flight. They sat down in their seat and the flight attendant came to them and and said, here you go, sir. Here is this parachute. And the person looked up at the flight attendant and said, well, why do I need to put on this parachute? And so the flight attendant said, you need to put on this parachute because first, it's a fashion statement. It feels great. It's wonderful. Everybody wants a parachute and you're going to be the only one on this flight with a parachute. Everyone's going to be envious of you. And not only that, but it's so comfortable. If you put on this parachute, you're going to have the best flight that you have ever had and you're going to be able to sleep and it's going to be the best sleep that you've ever gone through. And so the person hearing these promises from the flight attendant took up the parachute, put it on, and the first thing that this man noticed was that it didn't seem that like everybody was envious of him. They, in fact, pointed at him and made fun of him for wearing the parachute and called him a, a chicken because he was afraid of, of the flight. And not only that, but... As he started to lean back in his seat, he realized that the parachute really wasn't that comfortable and he couldn't get to sleep and he kept having to adjust his seat and scoot around to try and find any semblance of comfort during the flight. And so after a couple minutes of being mocked and 
Feeling uncomfortable, the man took off the parachute. He threw it in the middle of the aisle and said, I want nothing to do with this and I will never believe another flight attendant again. But on another flight, a man was also given a parachute and this flight attendant walked up to him and handed him the parachute and said, Sir, will you put this parachute on? And the man said, like the first one, why should I put that parachute on? And the flight attendant told him, sir, I'm not going to lie to you. This isn't a big fashion statement. In fact, it's going to look pretty ridiculous and people might point at you and they might laugh at you, but you need to put it on anyway. And not only that, but it's not comfortable. You're going to put this on and the whole flight is going to seem horrible because you won't be able to lean back and you won't be able to go to sleep. Well, why should I put it on, the man asks. And the flight attendant responds to him, Sir, even though it's not fashionable and even though it's not comfortable, I can assure you this, if you put on this parachute and this plane goes down, you will be the only one to have safety from the crash. And that's what it's like being a Christian. So many times we think that Christianity is something of a fashion statement or something for our own personal comfortability here in this world. And when we put it on, try it on and, and say, hey, I, this is fashionable, this is comfortable, and then find out that it's not, that in fact we actually get persecuted and made fun of for being a Christian and it's not always a comfortable thing, then we're quick to stop seeking out God's will in our life. But when we're realistic about it and we look at the promises that we've been given here in this world and we know that when we put on Christ, when we follow Christ here in this world and live faithfully for him every 168 hours of each week that we draw in oxygen into our lungs, if we are realistic about it that we're going to face persecution during that time, but that we have safety from the crash, that we have eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, then it's easier to deal with that persecution. It's easy to deal with the times that aren't comfortable. And so as we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we see another version of life of comfortability and uncomfortability as Paul writes this letter. And so let's go ahead and just read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 1. And Paul writes, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And so Paul was known for having suffered greatly for his faith. He was often ridiculed, persecuted, stoned, left for dead in the streets. He was imprisoned for not doing anything bad, just preaching the gospel. And so he kept preaching. And you ask yourself, why in the world would Paul keep doing that? Why would all of the apostles who suffered and eventually died, save alone John, who also suffered but was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, why would they continue to preach the gospel if all it led to them in their lives was persecution and death? And it's simple. They understood what they were signing up for. And Paul right here, he looks at this life and he 
takes the physical life and the spiritual life and he puts it into perspective. And he compared our physical life to a tent. And think about that for, for a moment. When you use a tent, it's because you're traveling or in this day and age, you're not necessarily trying to go from one place to another and you need a place to sleep along the way. But if you go camping, you're taking a tent out into the woods and you're going to enjoy nature. And though it may be a fun time, it's not always easy. And I like to go camping and I have a nice tent and it's a little bit more luxurious than probably a tent that he was talking about because my tent is is a large tent with LED lights in the poles and it has a Bluetooth speaker in it and I've got air mattresses and things like that. But still, even with the luxuries I have that come along with the tent, it's nothing compared to the home I have after I leave the tent. Because there's no air condition in this tent. Uh, the air mattress isn't as soft as my memory foam mattress that it's, that's at home. There's a whole lot more room. I have a, a bathroom with indoor plumbing. I have running water at my house. And so you see that he compares our physical life to a tent and our spiritual life, our eternal life to a building. And, and so camping out in a tent, it can be fun at times, but it's also uncomfortable. It's not great. And that's not where you want to be for the rest of your life. And so coming home into a building that has been built up and it's nice and luxurious, that's that's even better than a tent. And this is is our promise here in this world because we live here temporarily then we go home and that's what's good to understand about a tent is a tent is always supposed to be temporary i'm not going to live in the tent i'm going to live in my house i'm going to be in my tent for a certain amount of time but eventually i'm going to pack up my tent and i am going to go home and, and look at what the writer of hebrews says in hebrews 11 verse 13 he said these all died in faith talking about Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, and Sarah, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and here's what they confessed, that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And we know that too, that as Christians, we are strangers and pilgrims on the earth, people that are traveling through and just making our way through. This isn't our final destination and Paul further writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21, that our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things to himself. And that's a big point that we need to take in that we need to come to terms with, that as Christians, that we are just pilgrims here in this world that are passing through. And then when we realize that this is temporary, that this is a tent, that we're just passing through, that there will be a day that we pack it up and that we go home, then it makes that trip so much more enjoyable knowing that the the discomfort, that the persecution, that the suffering we endure here in this world will be nothing compared to the glory that is revealed in us through Christ when we pack that up and go home with him for eternity. 
But we go on in verses two through five and, and we see this, this groaning, this, this suffering that we go through. And he says, for in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has also given us the Spirit as a guarantee. And so there again, we have to come to this realization as Christians, as we live faithfully for Jesus, we're going to suffer in this world. And Paul writes that to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And then Jesus says this in Luke chapter 14, verse 27. And this is where we have to take the context into understanding here. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And so we see that if you want to follow Jesus, he says, you've got to do what? You've got to bear a cross and you've got to think about the weight that those crosses were. They were hundreds of pounds. This was not an easy thing to do to bear a cross. And not only that, but a cross was, was something that a criminal had to carry. Someone that was despised by the world had to carry. And not only that, let's go even further. But if you were carrying your cross, most likely you were beaten beyond recognition. You were suffering before you even had that cross laid upon your back because that's exactly what the Roman Empire did to people before they crucified them. But we go on more more suffering that we see. First Peter chapter four, verse 12 through 13, it says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. And Paul also writes in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10, and I love this passage right here. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. And so there's, there's one thing that's clear to us, that when we follow Christ here in this world, we are going to suffer. But glory be to God that that suffering is temporary. And when we think about the eternity that we are going to spend with Christ in peace, in harmony, with no suffering, that he's going to wipe away every tear from our eye, this little time we get here in this world that sometimes seems long at the moment is, isn't even going to be a, a visible dot on the timeline of eternity. And so this world ultimately can't crush us. The world can persecute us. The world can do everything they want to us. The world can even destroy our tent, this physical body. But the only thing that happens when they destroy our tent is we go on to our home, our actual home, that building that God has created for us, that eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so there's no way that even as we go through this persecution that the world can 
beat us. If God doesn't deliver us in the flesh, he's going to deliver us in the spirit. He's going to bring us to him. He's going to wrap us in his embrace, whether here in this world or we're going to literally be standing before him. And we have this too, as we go through these trials and tribulations, as we live in this tent here in this world, we have the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. And I like what Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 15 through 18. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And so though we are persecuted, we have this great promise that we're not forsaken. And we have the promise also of eternal life and Jesus Christ. And, and I don't know about you, but when I'm feeling down, when I feel that I'm being persecuted, when I feel like I'm hard pressed on every side, sometimes I get a little bit down and, and I feel a little bit hopeless. But when I pick up the word of God and I look at the promises of God and I recall that his promise here in this world was that I was going to safe per, uh, uh, experience persecution here in this world, that I should count it all joy when I fall into various trials and tribulations, that that I should look at my persecution and say it is an honor to be persecuted as Christ. But I also know this, that after I face this persecution and I groan and I mumble and grumble a little bit through this life, that there's going to be a day I stand before my Savior and none of this will have mattered. None of the suffering that I've gone through will have mattered. And so when I think about it that way, then all of a sudden those sufferings become small. That persecution seems small. So what? Someone doesn't like me. So what? Someone called me a name. So what? Uh, that someone seeks to take my life and send me home to where I belong. I'm just a pilgrim passing through. But it goes on in verse 6 and 8 as well. That we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And while we walk in this life, we, we need to make sure to walk by faith, not by sight. When we walk by sight here in this world, we see things that bring us down. Right now, if you turn on the news, you're going to see some very depressing things. There's a lot of life that is being lost over in Israel right now. We see our allies in Israel that uh, they're not, Hamas is not just slaughtering uh, the military in Israel, but they were slaughtering uh, civilians, women and, and children. And the videos that they're releasing all over the internet, it, it seems hopeless. And, and when we walk by sight, we'll see these hopeless things and it'll bring us down. And maybe that's why Paul also says in his other writings that we need to focus on things that are good. Focus on things that are noble, noteworthy, praiseworthy. And, and the only thing that I can find to focus on that matches all of that is 
to focus on my Savior, Jesus Christ, to focus on his word that he has left to guide us and to get us through all of the different trials and persecutions that we face here in this world. So when we walk by sight, we see things like what's going on over in Israel, and it's hard to continue forward. But when we walk by faith, we know this, that we're going to experience the promises of God and those promises of God they're so much better than what we're experiencing right here in this world that it, it's so great that the suffering can't even compare and, and i like what paul writes in galatians 2 20 and this is probably one of my favorite verses to read but he says i've been crucified with christ it's no longer i who live but christ lives in me and here's the part to underline right here in the life which i now live in the flesh i live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And another reason we need to walk by faith and not by sight is because simply we don't get to see all of the things that were written in the scripture. Meaning this, I haven't seen Jesus in the flesh. I didn't watch him feed thousands with a, a few fish and a few loaves of bread. I didn't see him walk on water. I didn't see him raise Lazarus from the dead. I didn't see him die on the cross for our sins, nor did I see him rise from the grave on the third day. But I'm confident in this, that though I don't see him, he is here. Though I don't see him, I know that he's alive and that he's working through me and that he's giving me the strength to stand through everything that the world is throwing at me. And I promise you that he can give you the strength to stand through whatever the world is throwing at you. I don't know what you're going through as you're listening to this podcast. There's so many trials and tribulations that you could be experiencing. Things that maybe I've never experienced before and I can't even necessarily help you out on. I know that I can pray for you though. I know that I can be a listening ear, but even better than that, you have a Savior that loves you. And though you've never seen him, he knows every hair on your head and he wants to help you out. He wants to lift you up. He wants to exalt you. He wants to give you joy and peace through the sufferings, the trials, the tribulations that you face in this world. And if you would just live by faith, you will still have those trials. You will still have those tribulations. You will still have persecution. But if you just live by faith, he's going to give you the strength. He's going to give you the joy. He's going to give you the peace that you need to make it through. And that's one thing that I know I need to live 168 hours of every week for Jesus that I need to have that faith no matter what's going on that I just need to have that faith that I need to realize that I'm in a tent right now that I expect to suffer that I know I'm going to suffer but when I pack this tent up and I go home I get to go home and rest in the embrace of my Savior and so as I live in this tent in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I'm confident that when I leave this body, I will no longer walk by faith, but I'll walk by sight as I will be with Jesus. And I'm like Paul in this scenario. I'd rather be with Jesus. I'd rather 
be in his embrace right now. I'd rather hear these words right now. Welcome home, my good and faithful servant, because there's nothing more glorious. There's nothing more exciting. There's nothing more wonderful than the thought of eternity with Christ. But right now, right here, I have a mission. And that's another thing too. If you if you think about the time that this is being written, war is a little bit different, but even in war now, we still put up tents and and occupy territories. But when you are a soldier marching to battle, there are times that you have to be away from home and you have to be in uncomfortable situations, but you get through it. You groan a little bit, but you wake up and you put one foot in front of the other because you have a mission. And just like soldiers have a mission, we as Christians have a mission as well. I like what Paul also writes in Philippians 1.21 where he says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that really sums up our mission. You know the great commission that we have in Matthew 28 where it says, Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to live as Christ. That as long as you want me here in this world, Jesus as long as I need to go through sufferings, as long as I need to go through persecution for your name's sake, I'm not going to give up on the mission. I know that I'm here for a reason that you saved me by your amazing grace and that I need to share that amazing grace with this lost and dying world around me. If I have to experience persecution for that, then so be it, Lord. I, I will find glory and I will rejoice in facing the same persecutions that you faced for me while you were walking here on this earth. So for me to live as Christ, as long as I have oxygen in my lungs, as long as this heart keeps pumping blood through my veins, I have a mission that I need to accomplish. And when I know that I have a mission, I'm not worried about my lodging. I'm not worried that I don't have the luxuries like the air condition and the nice bed. I know that it's going to be tough, but I have a mission and I need to go out and do that mission. And I know that at the end of that mission, which is the end of our life, when we don't breathe anymore or when Jesus comes back for us, whichever one comes first, that to die is gain. So as long as I live here in this world, I live for Christ. And when I die... I'm going to meet him. With every breath we're granted by God, we must live for Jesus, preaching his gospel to all nations. And though death is gain and holds no power over us because we move forward to our homeland of heaven after we die here, we must fight to live for Christ until that day comes. And the final point I really want to make right here is this. Before you die for Christ, why don't you try living for him? Because it, the dying part's the easy part. You don't have a whole lot of choice in that part when your life ends. Eventually, you're either going to die of natural causes, there's going to be an accident, or someone might even come at you to take your life for whatever reason. But before you die for Christ, why don't you try living for him? There's so many Christians here in this world right now that haven't truly picked up that cross. That haven't truly lived for Christ. 
they believe him. Maybe they've even given their heart to him and they truly are saved. They are sealed with the Holy Spirit. But man, what a miserable, what a miserable existence you must have as a Christian. That you have a great mission set out before you. That you have a great calling set out before you. What a miserable existence of a, as a Christian that it must be to die one day and stand before the throne of Christ and hear those words even, welcome home my good and faithful servant, which we want to hear, but then to realize this, that man, how faithful was I really here in this world? Did I really live my life for Christ? And that's something we all need to contemplate. That's something we all need to take a look in the mirror and say, you know what? I might not be living for Christ the way that I ought to. I, I might not be giving it my all. I might have let the fact that I'm sleeping on this air mattress in this tent and the fact that my back hurts be the reason that I don't get up and go out and do what I'm supposed to do today. So my encouragement for you would be that before you die for Christ, before you go to meet him, why don't you try living for him? I want to thank each and every one of you for listening to the Faith 168 podcast today. I hope this is something that will encourage you to continue living for Jesus 168 hours of every week. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your love. That when you didn't have to, while you had heaven, while you had angels surrounding you, worshiping you, singing praises to your name, that you lived in a great big building in a metaphorical sense, that you decided to come and live in a tent, that you came and took on the weakness of flesh took on persecution from your own creation because you loved us so much. I praise you and thank you that you loved us so much that you took that on so that you could live the perfect life that we could not, so that you could go to the cross that we deserve and pay the penalty for our sins. I thank you that you rose from the grave to promise us new life. And Father, while I live in this tent, I praise you. But Father, I can't wait to praise you when I'm at home with you. So Father, give me and give anyone that's listening to this podcast today the courage to live faithfully for you here in this world. Help us to put aside the burdens. Help us to put aside the persecution and focus on the goal, the mission that you have called us to to preach your gospel that has saved us and is going to save many more. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, Message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page and we will see you in 168 hours.